Good morning, St. Michael's. Will you please stand? Lord, we are just so grateful to be called into your presence this morning. You've invited us and we've accepted that invitation. We want to enter in with you today. Just meet us here. Meet us here through the words, the songs, through the message, through the readings that we go through. Just touch us in a way that only you can, Lord, that we know that you've entered into this with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. This is said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And as we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen.
Pray together the Colette. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy. Increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that with you as our ruler and guide, 
we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Young warriors off to do battle. I see one. Is there no one? (laughs) Send me, Lord. (laughs) There they are. All right. What an awesome group of young people. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing upon these young people. In your name we ask, Lord, that you would move in their lives and their hearts and fill them, Lord God, with the knowledge and love of you. Lord, give them a genius for the world ahead. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson this morning is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, commencing at verse 20. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sake. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I, who am but dust and ashes, have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the fifty righteous. Would you destroy all the city for lack of five? So he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose there should be forty found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of forty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Indeed, now I have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of twenty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way, and as 
as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 138. Let us respond by the half verse. I will praise you with my whole heart. For the gods, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. You have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord. And they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. The proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hand. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. Our second reading comes from Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The word of the Lord.
the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Luke chapter 11, beginning at verse 5. And Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son of man asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? If, or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. so thankful to be here in your house today, to come and to worship you. Pray, Lord God, that you would bless the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, that it would be always acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, my sermon's got to do better than the 730. I've had all this music and worship and everything else get us all ready. I did get to practice my sermon, I guess, at the 7.30. I want to start it a little different. In Luke chapter 11, 
We'll go to the, the beginning. We started in verse 5 today. Then Luke 11, which I should have marked. It says that Jesus... I'll just read it. Now it came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so and then Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer, and he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And as soon as he finishes that, he goes into this uh, gospel message today, which is very interesting. And we're going to come back to that. But in, in terms of the connection between that and the Old Testament, I just remember thinking that how does there a connection, except that we see Abraham with his own way of praying. He was bargaining or negotiating with the Lord, which is kind of interesting, right? Usually you bargain from a position of some kind of strength, and he had none, <laughs> not when he's you know, bargaining with the Lord. So anyway, but I want to look at it, because I think there's some very interesting um, lessons to learn and encouragement for us. And so um, the story of Abraham, and last week, uh, if you remember, we talked about Abraham, and he was visited by the Lord. It actually starts off, the Lord visited Abraham. And these three men are standing before him. And it doesn't say at what point that he recognizes that it's the Lord. I don't, I don't know that it was right away. I think maybe he was, you know, hospitable anyway to whoever three men were there. But at some point, he gets the picture. This is more than just three men, three travelers. There's something else there. You know, when they, when they say, where's your wife, Sarah? How does he know that her name is Sarah? It was Sarai. And the Lord just changed it. Uh, he knows his name's Abraham and not Abram. So there's there's some clues. And then he mentions uh, at the end that, you know, one year from now or uh, in the time of life that your wife will, will you'll have a son. Well, this was a promise that God had given him. So um, it's interesting. You know, at some point he gets it. This is the Lord. And, you know, whether it's the pre-incarnate Christ and a couple of angels or however that works out, I don't quite know how that was. But we talk about it today that he says the two men walked away and he stood there before the Lord. So maybe it was the pre-incarnate Christ. I, again, it's, it's, a, it's not necessary to understand the principle here, um, to, to have to nail that down. But we're going to say it's the Lord that he was talking to because that's what it says in the Scripture. So anyway, so something goes on. And we don't read about it in the readings today. It starts a little bit later. But it says right before... Uh, um, Right after last week's lessons and right before today, starting in, in verse 35, it says in verse 16, Then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Okay, everything's fine. But then the Lord said, again, talking to the men, not to Abraham, he goes, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. So there's something going on here, and it kind of starts the conversation, right? Peaks Abraham's interest. Obviously, Abraham knows that Sodom has a reputation. <laughs> Sodom and Gomorrah. His nephew Lot lives there, right? So I know he's probably well aware of what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he takes it upon himself to begin to intercede on behalf of Sodom. He starts, like you said, bargaining with the Lord, you know. Well, Lord, surely you wouldn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. You know, say there's 50 righteous there. Is that enough to save them? (laughs) 
You know, that's kind of what he's doing, and he works his way down. Well, that's a pretty bold thing to do. And why does he care? Is it just for Lot, or is there something else? And as I was looking at this, I went back um, a few chapters before that. And then Abraham, the, the situation with Abraham and Lot was they had to divide up. You know, they were too close to each other, and their, their herds were interfering. The, the, the workers were fighting amongst each other. He says, we've got to spread out. And so he gave Lot the opportunity to go where he wanted to go. He said, you choose. And so Lot went down to the, the grassy meadows down by Sodom because it was the grass was greener there. Obviously, we know it may not have been better. <laughs> but he gave Lot the first choice. And so Lot went down there, and then Abraham went up here um, by the tent, the, the cedars or the, the oaks of Mamre, right, wherever that was. I don't, I don't know the geography real well, but it was a different place. They were separated out. And so... A few chapters before, like I said, in Genesis 14, there's something that happened uh, between the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and some other kings, uh, local cities that were there. They were attacked by another four kings. And, you know, the, the history of why they attacked whatever doesn't matter, except that when they came in and they defeated the king of Sodom, but they captured Lot. And so the word got back to Abraham, and he decided to go after and to save his nephew. And so he went with... 318 of his trained men, you know, uh, uh, the guys who were herding his sheep, whatever it is, he had grown his, his group up to 318 men that he took with him. And he went and defeated the other kings and rescued Lot and the king of Sodom and, and those guys and brought them back. And there were some spoils. And it's an interesting thing we talk about on the way back from that battle is when he met Melchizedek. Now, we've talked about Melchizedek many times before. In Hebrew, it says that Melchizedek was really a type of Christ. Uh, he was, uh, Christ was uh, uh, after the order of Melchizedek, a priest of the Most High God. So there's something significant about Melchizedek, uh, especially when Abraham comes back and he gives 10% of all that he does, all that he's captured, to Melchizedek. It's a tithe. It's the first instance of the tithe. Well, here's a funny thing. The king of Sodom was there with him. He was there and saw that not only did he give a 10% to Melchizedek, he gave glory to the Lord for delivering them in the battle. He gave God the glory. It's not because his guys were trained so well. You know, it was, yeah, they may have been trained well, but it was because the Lord, because the numbers didn't favor them. And so the king of Sodom got a chance to see this. Abraham had already been, had already rescued them and had already given them a testimony that this is what you should be doing. And so there's some connection there. You know, it's a neighboring city. Uh, it's where his nephew is. Whatever there is, he feels that he needs to intercede on behalf of Sodom. And the hope is, is that he's, I'm sure that they would turn from their wicked ways. Because <laughs> they were obviously wicked ways. Um, in Genesis 19, which I found out you will not find in the Roman, the RCL, the Revised Common Lectionary. They don't read that on the lessons. I wonder why. Um, but you hear more of the story of what happened with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and, and stuff. So anyway, so he's interceding. He's, he's praying for, uh, you know, with, with the Lord for trying to save Sodom. 50, 45, 40, all the way down to 10. And he, and he, and he says, even for, if there's 10 found, I will not destroy it. And what you find out in the next chapter is apparently there weren't 10 found. The only one that was found was Lot. And his two daughters and his wife. Now, his wife looked back, and so she, she perished. Um, but that's all that they found that was righteous, which is a sad state. 
And it makes you wonder, what is it that was so bad about Sodom? I mean, we all know the, the first thing that comes to mind because of the, the, you know, the word that we get from Sodom. But there was more to it than that. And in Ezekiel, which is very interesting, Ezekiel, uh, 40, Ezekiel 16, 49. And it said, this is uh, Ezekiel's prophesying against uh, Jerusalem. And he's talking about uh, Sodom. And he goes, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them, as you have seen. So it tells you there's a lot more that's going on with this city of Sodom. One, they already had a warning from Abraham. He already had talked to them and shown them what they should be doing. He would already rescued them once, and they weren't getting it. And so, But he's still praying for them. And I'm thinking, well, there's some parallels to today. There are some people around us uh, in our country, and I'll just limit it to that, that there are some people here that you're thinking, why do I want to pray for them? I don't like what they're doing. They are obviously wicked. You know, why didn't he say, yeah, Lord, wipe out the wicked and leave just the righteous? No, he prayed for them also, just as Jesus said, to pray for your enemies. And so I thought that was kind of interesting. And he's, and he's saying you need to be bold about it. I don't think that the Lord was offended that he was bargaining with them, if you will. You know, I think he enjoyed the interaction. Because he started the conversation. Hey, should we tell Abraham what's going on, what we're getting ready to do? Well, obviously he wanted to because he wanted, you know, I mean, God knows what's going on. He's, 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 he knows all from beginning to end. But there's something about this interaction that he, I don't know if you would say he enjoyed it. But it was good for Abraham to intercede because it told you more about Abraham. That he was willing to pray and to intercede for his fellow man, for his family for the local community, even if he didn't agree with them, even if he knew there was wickedness there. You have to think that he wants them to repent. Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous. I don't know. I just think it's interesting that we need to understand that, you know, part of the reason that I think that that he was bold enough to intercede is because he knew something of the nature of God. He's interacted with him before, you know, and we see this like uh, in Second Peter, it says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I think that I think Abraham understood that about the Lord, that he was merciful. You know, why did he wait? Why did he try to go through this? Maybe he's given him a little bit longer, maybe one more chance to repent. You know, you don't know the Lord's timing and what's going on, but I think that this is part of the, the why he wanted Abraham to intercede on his behalf. I think he's part of the, the, the deal is he wants him to repent, and Abraham knew that about him. It's interesting. Um, God does want to show mercy, and he shows it to Lot and his family. But one interesting little just a little detail that was kind of a, uh, I caught it when I read it, and I hadn't noticed it before. But not only did he save Lot and his daughters and his wife, but Lot tried to warn his future sons-in-law. He actually pleaded with them to come. They didn't, they just, they thought he was just joking around. They didn't take it serious. And so perished. And it's like, wow, do you have ears to hear? <laughs> Whenever someone gives you a warning, 
And I think he was, like Paul has said, he, he was pleading with them, you know, come on, you got to come. And even the angels were pleading with Lot, leave them behind. Come on, he had to grab Lot's hand and pull them out of the city. Because I think he wanted people to be saved. I think that's the heart that God has and wants us to have also. St. Paul is pleading with the church in Colossae to not let the enemy steal away the truth of the gospel through philosophy and empty deceit. It's a similar kind of a thing. Paul is pleading with them. Guys, don't, don't give in to this. Don't, don't fall for the empty deceit. You've got to know that you've been set free from sin. Forgive, God forgives you all of your trespasses, makes you alive in him. You know, that's, what God, that's what Paul is trying to convince them. Our country right now is not in a very good place in a lot of ways. Um, there's a lot of uh, bankrupt philosophies and empty conceit, a lot of other things out there. You know, you can list off all the, the different, you know, BLM and, and uh, critical race theory. And I, it, it just it breaks your heart when you hear all of the stuff that's out there. And we had a conversation with, my, um, with uh, Maggie Kiangyang, who's now married. And we didn't get to go to the wedding, but, uh, you know, we just, we've known the Kiangs for a long, long time. And so we had this little uh, Zoom call with her and her husband. And they're going to go into a ministry going back to the University of Connecticut from which they just graduated. And she made this, they made this comment about the statistics, say. They did a poll. And at the University of Connecticut, and I don't know about anywhere else, this is just what they said last night. They did a poll. And they said less than 1% of the student body has any affiliation with Christianity. I'm thinking, less than 1% at a university, University of Connecticut. How can that be? How can it be that low? Have we slipped so far? And it's, the reality is it falls on the upper generations who didn't tell their kids Show them the way they should go. Oh, we'll let them choose. We'll let them decide. I don't want to push it on them. No, my kids are going to be in that pew right there. I'll decide for them until they move out. I want them to see the Lord. I want them to understand who Jesus is and the, and the whole concept of Christianity. And, and I think it's just it's, it's, a, it's a weird place that we're in. And we need to pray for this nation. We need to pray for, yeah, we got to pray for our family. That's not too hard because they're right there and you love them, right? They look kind of like you, so you kind of like them. So <laughs> you pray for your family. You pray for your local church and your community. But we need to pray for the rest of the community. We need to pray for our state. We need to pray for our nation. And I think Abraham's attitude towards that was such a really good picture. We need to pray and we need to be willing to share the gospel, you know. And I, I'm excited about um, the picture that he gives us in the gospel. In the gospel, he talks about being persistent. That's so important. He says you need to, uh, the neighbor's got somebody who shows up, and so he goes to his other neighbor and says, hey, I need some, uh, I need some bread. I've got some travelers who've come, and I don't have anything to give them. But because of his persistence, he'll get the, the bread that he needs so he can provide for the travelers, right? But then Jesus goes on, and he says, and, I, and I'll read it just because it's so powerful. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. I mean, use every avenue possible. <laughs> ask, seek, knock, press in. 
Don't give up. Be persistent. Be persistent. There's um, a scripture that we read about, you know, the ministry that God has given us. And it's, it's a part of, it's, it's from where we get our blessing at the end of the thing. It's uh, 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, it says, Christ, or that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, not imputing or counting their trespasses to them, and has committed to us that word of reconciliation. That's the word that we need to be sharing with those around him. God loves you. God's forgiven you. God's not mad at you. That's the message even for the, 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 the city of Sodom. God wasn't mad at them, but they refused to turn to him until the cup of wrath was full. Even though we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the message of the gospel. This persistent attitude of the neighbor knocking on the door. No, you've got to come give me bread. I've got to provide for these people over here. There's the, the woman who went to the unjust judge. She just kept imploring him over and over again. It's a message that the Lord says over and over again. And we need to take it seriously. We need to not be unconcerned, overfed, <laughs> arrogant and haughty, thinking about, I'll just take care of myself. That's, that, that's good enough. Just me and my family will be okay. A bulwark against everything else around. No, you need to plead for those around you. You need to be a light in the darkness. Um, in Hebrews 4, and I'll just close with just a couple last scriptures. In Hebrews 4, it talks about boldly coming before the throne. Uh, we'll start in verse 14, Hebrews 4, 14. Seeing then that we have a priest, a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confessions. Verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is a, it's during Lent. There's one of these, this is, it summarized those two verses together and he talks about, you know, we need to come boldly to the, to the throne of grace and find grace to help in time of need. We need to be desperate for that. We need to be serious about that. And then it goes down to, uh, uh chapter six, uh, of Hebrews and verse nine. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Need to get bigger glasses, I think. It's harder to see. Yes, things that are company salvation, so we speak to this matter. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. And the reason this makes me think about it, you know, so many times we get in the midst of the of praying and stuff like that, and there's that scripture that has almost become like a bumper sticker. Don't grow weary and well doing. Don't grow weary and well doing. You know, you, you hear it all the time and it's hard. But this is a very similar to the same thing. And it says, God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. You go down to verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Well, that scripture, don't grow weary in well-doing, is really, it's not just a warning. It's actually a part of the promise that God has given us. In Galatians 6, 7 through 9. 
Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Starting in verse 6. Verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's the promise that God has given us. That's why it's more than just a bumper sticker phrase, right? It's more than just, oh, don't grow weary and well-doing. Keep going. The promise is that you're going to reap whatever you sow. That God hears, and he has a desire to bless us. He has a desire to give us those good things. Remember he says that the Father wants to give you the Holy Spirit? Well, that's what this world needs is the Holy Spirit. Because the job of the Holy Spirit is to convict, convict men of their sins. To lead them to repentance. The point to Jesus Christ. Because that's the only thing that's going to matter. All those different philosophies that I mentioned earlier, the BLM and critical race theory and racism and all this other socialism, all that stuff, the main problem with all of those empty, bankrupt philosophies is that they're not based in Christ. If they're not based in Christ, there is no life in it. And that's the promise that God has given us, is that he's given us the answer and that he wants to answer our prayers. He wants to... He wants to uh, save the world. He wants to save those around us. He desires that all become uh, Christians, that all become in, uh, eternal life and righteous. So be encouraged. Don't be discouraged in well-doing. Don't grow weary. But be encouraged that God hears and he sees and he wants to answer your prayers. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Nicely done. <laughs> Amen. Let us continue with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father, all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets, and I believe in one holy Catholic and apostle church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Give me one second, Phil. I want to ask this question before we pray. I want to ask this question, but I actually want to read this question because it's, you know, it was a powerful word today. God was speaking to us about prayer and pressing in and the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the, and the 
the last the last quote in uh, the gospel lesson is a question, and I want to ask you this question as we begin to pray. We begin to pray for ourselves, for the church, for our community, for the world. And here's the question. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? <laughs> You're looking for something to pray for. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is gracious and merciful and full of loving kindness. Therefore, with faith and great expectations, let us offer our requests up to him. That the church will be persistent in prayer, interceding like Abraham, even for those in rebellion to God. Lord, in your mercy, that the nations will recognize Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, in your mercy, that we, like the Apostle Paul, will be faithful to share the gospel in both word and deed as God presents the opportunity. Lord, in your mercy, that loved ones who have strayed from the faith will repent and have a renewed fervor for Christ. Lord, in your mercy, that we will be good stewards over God's creation and that he will continue to bless us with all the necessities of life. Lord, in your mercy, that we will see the image of God in the lowly, the poor, the stranger, and the imprisoned. Lord, in your mercy, for our own special intentions. Lord, in your mercy, And give us the grace to be faithful disciples of Christ. We ask this through his most precious name. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace of the Lord. With your spirit. I put the announcements are today. I do. I, we have one always. Monday is your opportunity to help the food ministry of St. Michael's be here. 3.30 plus or minus. 3.30 plus or minus is great. 3.30 plus or minus. There's always something that you can do. Even I have found something to do there. Um, last time we also talked about. Acolytes. Acolytes, yes. So, uh, now we're kind of gotten through vacation mode. Uh, we're going to be calling all uh, younger guys, guys who are in their in, in grade school primarily, and uh, and then some of the older young guys, guys who are who are. You want to uh, be an acolyte? There are no prohibitions about age. Right. Well, maybe height. Yeah, they can't be 
they can't be newborn. So, um, but we're going to be calling you guys uh, in the next couple of days and arranging a time where we can start to meet on a regular basis and do some training and get ready because we want to put together a full schedule. Really, by uh, we'd like to do it by the beginning of uh, uh, fall at the latest, um, so that we're back into a full church service that we normally would have with the procession of uh, uh, torches and the cross and the gospel bearer and the subdeacons. We want, and anyone who would like to be involved in that, please uh, see me or see Eric, and we'd be happy to arrange to have you in there with us. Amen. Amen. Okay, is that it? That's it. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord our God. <laughs> Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that has made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choirs of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread, he gave you thanks, he broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this for the remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my cup of the new... This is my cup. This is my... Lord, have mercy. <laughs> when supper had ended, he took the cup again. He gave you thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. 
Let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, our bishop, Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Susan, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Denisa, Daniel, Ron, Rob, Henry, the Madison and White families, David and Lucian, the Marines and sailors of Camp Pendleton and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can add the names of the people you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have the courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to his supper. Amen.
eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Micah the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of sins. Speak out from this place, always remember the gospel. That God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself and not counting your sins against you. God loves you. God has forgiven you. God is not mad at you, and God will never leave you nor forsake you. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love and care for, now and forever. Amen.